What's cracking, everybody? It's your man, K. Mark, welcoming you back to another episode of the 310 Podcast, coming at you like I always love to do. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot, a lot, a lot to discuss today. I mean, from the games uh, that took place today, to injuries, to some news, and also the shakeup and the, uh, the landscape of college football, we definitely have a lot to discuss today, and much, much more. So if you want to get in contact with the show, hit me up at the310podcast at gmail.com, as well as you can also find me on Twitter at mrkmar 81 So with that being said, sit back, relax, and let's get to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, where or oh, where or oh, where do we begin? How about let's look at week 12 of this uh, this NFL's uh, week. So, I mean, started off Thursday with the um, New England Patriots taking on the Buffalo Bills. Um, Buffalo has definitely came under some criticism over the last couple of weeks because they are not dominating teams like they were so, like earlier in the season. Um, they definitely have taken their lumps and some hits. Especially the injury to Von Miller last week, uh, last weekend against Detroit. Um, they've also lost some games. They lost to the Jets and um, Vikings in successive weeks. And however, they won two in a row by beating, um, well, three in a row by beating the first the Browns, then the Lions on Thanksgiving, and now they demolished the Patriots by the tune of twenty-four to ten. Uh, I'm not too concerned about Buffalo. Because, I mean, just off the simple fact of the matter, they still have that high-scoring offense. And really, and really, uh, and knowing them, they can really turn it on when when they when they need they need to. However, um, there is a concern, especially about uh, Von Miller being out. Um, more than likely, he'll probably be out kind of probably until the playoffs. So, when and mind you, when he was playing, I mean, Von was a terror. Von was a terror out there on the field. But you know what? Hey, he's an older player. I think the rest will do him some good. He's a professional. He'll know what to do. So I'm not really too concerned about Von Miller being out. But anyway, like I said, the Bills beat the Pats, and really after the um, after New England took a seven three uh, seven to three lead, it was pretty much a wrap from there. I mean, um, Josh Allen threw um, two TD passes, two to one to Diggs, and another to Gabe Davis. And basically, yeah, Buffalo rolled. And so the Bills, um, and after some things that took place earlier, we'll definitely let you kind of know where they stand in the AFC uh, pick, uh, picking order. Uh, moving on to Sunday, those Philadelphia Eagles, those doggone Philadelphia Eagles continue to win 35-10 to 10 over the Tennessee Titans. This was a revenge game for former Titan, now Eagle, A.J. Brown. Uh, as many of you know, um, in a draft... Uh, draft day trade. The Titans traded AJ Brown to the Eagles for a number one pick, which ended up being trailing uh, wide receiver Traylon Burks, who unfortunately was knocked out of the game in um, in the first quarter. But this young man is definitely going to be a beast for the Titans. More likely, they probably need a better quarterback to get him to arrive because, like I said, Tannehill is serviceable. However, Tannehill can only lead you so far, but. Speaking of, I mean, going back to the game, I mean, the Eagles were pretty much dominant. Jalen Hurts, um, last week, he um, they did it on the ground. 
this week. It was a full, it was a full scale air aerial attack by the Eagles. Jalen Hurts had 380 yards of passing yardage and three TDs. Two of them to AJ Brown, who had eight catches for 119 yards. Devontae Smith had five catches for 102 yards. So the Eagles continue to roll. They continue to roll, and they're looking good. Definitely the um, the cream of the crop in the NFC. Moving on to a game that I will, um, I definitely was on the edge of my on the edge of my seat watching was the game between the New York Jets and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, this game pretty much came down to the end, where um, the Jets definitely had a chance to um, to take the lead and, and win the game. However, um, Mike White's pass to the end zone was incomplete. And I'm sitting there thinking, the Jets had the ball at the one-yard line. All right, I knew they couldn't get him um, by the run. How, how about sneaking the ball? How about taking a quarterback draw? Because I'm looking on fourth down. I saw the Jets. I mean, uh, the Jets had the Vikings spread out. I'm thinking this would be a perfect time for a QB draw. Did it happen? No. And... Of course, he had passing for a TD on the one-yard line. God, that just grinds my gears. I swear to God. It's like, dude, pound that ball. The, the quickest way forward, the quickest way is a straight line. Go straight instead of passing. But you know what? It is what it is. Everybody tries to be fancy and try to cross people up instead of sticking to the basics. So Minnesota continues to roll. Um, and they and they continue to uh, try to keep pace with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um Another um, another close game, and <laughs> the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders. Oh my gosh! I mean, the game ended in a twenty twenty tie. They basically did all that for six for uh, for seventy minutes just a tie. Of course, I mean, two teams that really haven't done anything over the past five to really significant over the past five to ten years. I mean, come on now. I'm, not, um, I'm definitely not surprised with the bumbling antics that took place that game, but you know what? It is what it is. So, Big B, I talked about your team. Are you happy? But, <laughs> mind you, that's my man Big B from the In Deep Show. That's my guy. We go back and forth. He's a Redskin football team, Commanders fan, whatever the hell they're called. And, of course, I'm an Eagles fan. We kind of go back and forth, but it's all love. It's all love. Um, another game of significance definitely took place down in Houston. Uh, and really, I mean, it was the Browns versus the Texans. And basically, yeah, I mean, the story wasn't really wasn't the game, even though Desha- um, but the return of Deshaun Watson. For everybody who knows, Deshaun Watson has not played football in over 700 days due to the situation where there was 23 or 24 reports of sexual uh, uh, sexual violations from Watson onto a number of women. Honestly, I mean, it was, and mind you, everybody who knows Deshaun Watson also used to play for the Houston Texans. So, and I do remember a number of his accusers were going to be at the game. So that's really interesting. Um, they are I really didn't see much about it, or did they like make any? Did they make themselves um, known? I really don't know. I'm definitely gonna have to def- definitely want to take a look on um, probably on social media to see what kind of did anything in particular take place uh, during that game. But Deshaun Watson, I mean, you could definitely tell that he has not played football in some time. Um, he was 12 of 22 for 131 yards and an I and an INT. 
However, his team got the job done. Donovan Peoples Jones with the um, with the punt return and basically the defense just kind of smacked the lifeless uh, Houston Texans. So yeah, the Browns they continue to win and Houston, yeah, you guys definitely have a problem. Um, probably one of the highly anticipated games of the weekend came in San Francisco where uh, the Miami Dolphins uh, headed west to take on the 49ers. Um, unfortunately, man, this sucks. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, San Francisco quarterback, was knocked out of the game with an ankle injury. A lot of people were just hoping that it was just a sprain. However, uh-uh. He broke his ankle and is now out for the season. Um, however, the 49ers, they were able to prevail behind Brock, um, Brock uh, Purdy. Um, he's a rookie, and he definitely um, kind of helped kind of steer the ship a little bit. But the game was basically won by San Francisco's defense. And honestly, I'm not really too surprised about the outcome of the game because the 49ers defense is that good. And they could definitely make a lot of teams look silly. So San Francisco, um, they... They moved to eight and four, keeping and staying ahead of Seattle, who beat the um, the LA Rams um, in SoFi uh, this afternoon by the tune of twenty seven to twenty three on a game winning drive led by Geno Smith. So Seattle continues to continues to um, to win out. And moving on, um, the Kansas City Chiefs and 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 the Cincinnati Bengals. This was definitely one of the marquee games of this weekend because of this is a rematch of the AFC title game which the, the Bengals won and in Cincinnati the Bengals won again seems like the Bengals kind of have the Chiefs number at this point I don't know what it is but we also saw the return of Jamar Chase who definitely made his presence known during this game so the Bengals continue to win um they're keeping pace with Baltimore who took a fat L uh, this afternoon to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Lamar Jackson was knocked out of the game with an injury. Uh, we really haven't heard too much about um, about his injury, but however, hopeful, I'm hopeful that it means nothing too serious because um, that'll be a crushing blow to the league if Lamar is out for a significant period of time. And of course, we all know about his contract situation, so I definitely hope that the brother's okay and that he's able to get paid during this offseason. If not by the Ravens, but by somebody else. So, the a- the ANC North is continues to tie. Well, the AFC North is tied right now at, at um, 8-4. However, I'll get to the standings in a minute. And during the Sunday night tilt, the Dallas Cowboys put up 54 points, uh, and 33 of them coming in the fourth quarter as they smacked the Indianapolis Colts by the score of 54-19. to I think the Cowboys were trying to Maybe put on a show, try to send a message to OBJ, who is from what from what I'm hearing and, and is going to be in Dallas uh, tomorrow. And he's supposed to be wine and dine and probably go to a Mavericks game. But we'll see what happens with that. So that's basically um, kind of what took place. Um, there's a Monday night matchup tomorrow between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints in the big sombrero. I definitely expect Tampa Bay to win that game because, I mean, really, New Orleans, <sighs> in a sense, this is a lost season. Um, they're not playing well. They don't have their number one pick um, in next year's NFL draft. That goes to the Eagles. So it's definitely not good times going on in the Big Easy. So looking at this, looking at the NFL standings right now, uh, we're going to start in the AFC East. We have the Buffalo Bills, who are 9-3. and three. 
followed up by the Miami Dolphins, who are 8-4, the Jets 7-5, and the New England Patriots are 6-6. Definitely a a tightly contested division. Like I stated last week, I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time the AFC East was this competitive. Moving on, uh, you have the AFC North, like I stated earlier a few moments ago, is tied 8-4, 8-4 with Baltimore and Cincinnati. Um, with um, with some key important games coming up to end the season, so a lot to be determined, and of course Lamar Jackson's injury. So we'll see what happens, what develops with that. Um, followed by Cleveland and Pittsburgh, who are both five and seven. The AFC North, uh, the AFC South, I beg your pardon. Um, that division is still owned by the Tennessee Titans. They are seven and five. Uh, followed up by the Colts, who are four and eight, as well as Jacksonville. Jacksonville, I'm definitely disappointed. I, I figured um, the game against Detroit. I figured that would be a game right there that Jacksonville could steal. However, Dan Campbell and his team, he had them ready, and they took them out big time. And all that followed up by the Houston Texans, who are now one ten and one. And yeah, <laughs> like I said earlier, Houston, you guys definitely have a problem. The AFC West. Um, basically, the Chiefs still kind of ha- um, they have that division on lock right now. They are nine and three, followed up by the San Diego Superchargers, who took a major dump in their pants this afternoon against the Las Vegas Raiders, who continue to wallow at five and seven. Followed up by the atrocious Denver Broncos and their mess with Russell Wilson. So the Broncos, yeah, they are three and nine. Um, definitely the AFC West is probably the biggest disappointment this season. Yeah, I said it. Moving on to the NFC. Uh, you have the NFC East. Um, that is being led by the Philadelphia Eagles, who continue to roll 11 and 1 and a good and a clear sh- and a good shot at possibly having the number one seed. Um, a lot's gonna be determined within the next couple uh, couple weeks because the Eagles have a three-game road trip um to the Giants, then at Chicago, and then they finish up on Christmas Eve at Dallas. So a lot could be um swaying by that time um, Dallas they're 9-3 like I said they cooked Indianapolis uh, on Sunday night followed up by the New York Giants who are 7-4 so I'm sorry 7-4-1 and like I said I mean the Giants for some reason I just don't I really haven't been a believer of them this um, this entire season um, I mean they play hard I just don't I just don't think that they have the guy at quarterback Dale Jones I will say is serviceable at best um, he's played. He's had moments. He's had moments of um, solid, po- of, of, of good play. However, yeah, it just does not do it for me. And I mean, hats off to Saquon Barkley coming back off uh, the last couple years being injured. But yeah, for some reason, um, the Giants, I just don't see it. I just do not see it. And looking at their schedule coming up, I uh, definitely don't really see it because. They have the Eagles next week. Then they face the Commanders once again. They face the Vikings. Then they host the Colts. And then they finish up at Philadelphia. So, like I said, I mean, there's still a lot to be determined. Um, like I said, I just for some reason just do not see the Giants making it making um, into the playoffs. And finally, you have the Washington Commanders. Um, now, this is my message to my guy, Big B. Like I said, he got on me saying that I really didn't say much about the commanders last week. So, Big B, I'm going to talk about your commanders. Yes, the Washington commanders have played well, um, to say the least, especially after getting off to that atrocious start of the season. Um, Carson Wentz wasn't the guy um, 
course, I mean, we definitely saw, of course, I mean, you basically have seen what the uh, what us Philadelphia Eagles fans have saw over the past couple seasons. I mean, fortunately, the guy has not been able to kind of get out of that rut, which pretty much could have led him to winning the MVP back in 2017. But shout out to the, I mean, the Redskins. No, I mean, let me not say the Redskins. The Commanders. The Commanders. <laughs> the Commanders, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Taylor Heineke. He has definitely come in and, and did the job. Him and Scary Terry, they definitely have some type of rapport going on. I definitely think Washington may have found their quarterback for at least now. For now, at least. I mean, Brian and uh, Brian Robinson, um, the running back who got shot. I mean, he continues to play well. I think a year removed from that gunshot uh, wound, I think he'll be fine. Um, like I said, he's playing well, but I think once he gets fully over everything i think he'll be good so no i mean no i mean shout out to me hey the commanders hey after that atrocious started they are playing well like i said despite today's tie <laughs> how the hell i still don't get how the hell you tie but anyways neither here nor there but washington yeah they continue to uh to roll defenses uh been playing uh, fairly solid for the most part and so no hats off to them they have a good shot at possibly making the playoffs Especially with that schedule coming, I mean, with their schedule, I mean, they have uh, the Giants coming in, then they ho- they go to San Francisco, then they host Cleveland, and now they did now to all them Commander fans, you guys did all they talking about being the Eagles. Now can you guys do do the same to the Cowboys? Because we all know, we all know what happens when the Cowboys invade Washington. All them damn bandwagon DMV Cowboy fans, they come out. Can y'all for once show up for a cowboy game and not let those cockroaches take over your stadium? Just, just, just this once, just this once, please. Anyway, I digress. The Minnesota Vikings basically have a stranglehold on the NFC North. They should be, they should be, um, maybe next week they should be able to put that division away. Um, that's followed by the five and seven Detroit Lions, the five and eight Packers, and the three and ten Chicago Bears. Then moving on to the uh, NFC South, another division that has been future this year. That is led by the five and six Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the five and eight Atlanta Falcons, the four and four, four and eight Carolina Panthers, and the four and eight New Orleans Saints. Boo T. Finally, you have the NFC West, and that's being led by the San Francisco 49ers. Even though, um, despite losing Jimmy G today, they were able to prevail. They keep a one-game lead over Seattle, who beat the Rams. That's followed up by the Cardinals, who are 4-8, and the defending Super Bowl champion, LA Rams, who are now 3-9. and So, like I said, those are the standards right now. Um, mind you, also, um, looking at the NFC right now, as a whole, I mean, I'm sorry, looking at the AFC as a whole right now, uh, like I said, with events taking place this afternoon, the Buffalo Bills jumped the Kansas City Chiefs. Both are 9-3, however, Buffalo does have the head-to-head um, tiebreaker over them, so now Buffalo is the top dog in the AFC. That's followed up by the 8-4 Ravens. Um, that's really, really need to hear what's going to happen with Lamar. Then followed up by the Bungles, I mean the Bengals, then you have Miami eight and four, Tennessee seven and five, Jets seven and five, New England six and six, the Chargers six and six. So a lot to be determined with the AFC. However, I do believe the top two seeds will be Buffalo and 
Kansas City. Moving on to the NFC, the Eagles, they have a one-game lead over the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Eagles 11-1, Minnesota 11-2. Man, how the Vikings just continue to win. I, I just don't get it. Followed by Dallas, 9-3, San Francisco 8-4, and, and you basically know the rest. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of what's going on with the standings right now. Um, in in some headline news, um, like I said, um, OBJ is um, going to be is going to be visiting the, uh, the Cowboys on uh, tomorrow. Um, like I said, they're going to wine and dine him and take him to the Mavericks uh, Suns game. I think on Monday or Tuesday, whatever. Um, then OBJ is supposed to meet with Dak and, and the leaders of the team, so they're going to try to woo him into signing. And I believe Dallas was trying to send a message. Um, tonight on Sunday night, trying to woo OBJ to Dallas. <laughs> However, I'm also hearing that um that that people are definitely have some red flags on OBJ, especially about his injury history. I mean, mind you, this dude has shredded his ACL twice. Definitely interesting to see how he comes back from that. Um, OBJ's ultra, ultra, ultra talented and ultra competitive. Um, I definitely do expect him to at least be serviceable, at least to start out in. For a team and then maybe try to make his presence known further in the playoffs. Uh, will that be for Dallas? But also me also hearing some things about the Giants may be in the lead because OBJ loves that New York lifestyle. There's a familiarity with the Giants and he definitely sees that they're they are on the right path. I mean, despite what I said earlier, I mean they are on the right path. I mean, this is not um, the last few years of Giants football, where it was just a it was just a clown show up there with Dave Gettleman and um, Joe Judge and, and the crew. So, no, I mean it really is going to come down to Dallas and New York. And like I said, with that familiarity, that should put the Giants in the lead. But we'll we'll see what happens with that. Like I said earlier, I really believe that he should go to maybe a team like Baltimore, who def- desperately needs a wide receiver. Of OBJ status. Um, also, I mean, hey, Buffalo, uh, they, like I said, Gabe Davis is a solid number two. However, I mean, you can maybe slip an OBJ in there as, as maybe like a third, maybe a fourth guy. I mean, you, your, your offense is basically unstoppable. So we'll see what happens with that. So um, they're saying Tuesday should be the day where OBJ decides where he's going to go. Uh, I mean, to me at this point, I can care less. I can really care less at this point. Because, I mean, regardless of what happens, they're all going to take a loss to the Eagles. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, in other news, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, like I stated, um, injured injured his ankle against the Miami Dolphins. It was believed initially to be a sprained ankle. However, he broke his ankle and is now out for the season. That definitely sucks for him because um, Jimmy was playing well. I will say that. Coming in after Trey Lance's season-ending injury, uh, Jimmy was guiding the 49ers, and they had a legitimate shot at the NFC crown. However, Brock Prody, I mean, we'll see what happens when teams have a game plan on them. I mean, it's pretty easy to come in initially where there's no real film on you. However, once these defensive coordinators start to kind of game plan and try to work your weaknesses, we'll definitely see kind of how he is. But I think what's going to happen, I think the 49ers are going to definitely uh, rely more on their running game. I mean, of course, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play callers in the league, and he's able to put different players in different spots that can uh, that can make plays. Um, they definitely have a difficult schedule coming up because they have 
Um, they, they host the Buccaneers next Sunday. Then they go on the road to Seattle. They host the Washington Commanders. Then they go to Vegas against the Raiders on New Year's Day. And they finish up at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, that defense is definitely going to have to step up for them. It's definitely going to have to step up. And honestly, I mean, I, I think this defense can lead the way to at least the division title. Now, what happens in the playoffs, that's a different story. Because the NC West is a very weak division. They should be in. Uh, they've already swept the Rams. They've uh, they've already beat the Cardinals. And they've already beaten the Seahawks. So, um, next Sunday's game against, against the Seahawks, that's going to be a big one. Because if they can create a two-game lead, that'll be key. And then holding off Seattle for the division title. So, um, so with that being said, I have another story that I want to get to, and that's going back to our good old friends, the Washington Commanders. Oh boy, just when I thought this clown organization can cannot can can outdo themselves, they do with this whole Sean Taylor Memorial statue, mannequin, whatever the hell you want to call it. My goodness, why the hell would all right? They're saying. All right, when the news came out saying Sean Taylor's getting a statue, I'm like, all right, you know what? That's cool. That's cool. Sean Taylor, one of the greatest Redskins of all time, one of the more dominant players of his era. I mean, mind you, this is an era that had the premier safeties in the league. I'm talking about the Ed Reeds of the world, the Brian Dawkins, Troy Palomalo, and then you have, oh, and I'm sorry, I forgot another one, Bob Sanders, who was so hella underrated. My God. My God, man, man, I just wish injuries didn't hit him, didn't derail his career, or else he would he would be in Canton. But if you guys can, if you guys can look up some highlights of Bob Sanders, that dude was like a missile. But anyway, I digress. Then you have Sean Taylor. I mean, the dude was a ball hog. The dude can hit you like a linebacker. Just ask former Bills uh, punter Brian Mormon. Look up, I put like this. Look up Sean Taylor's hit in the Pro Bowl. That dude literally killed this man. But like I said, take don't take take it from me. Just 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 go to YouTube. <laughs> but anyway, I'm thinking like, all right, cool. And it just sucks that I mean, unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, this man was life was taken so suddenly. I mean, this young man had a full career. And I think he was only in his third in third or fourth NFL season with a lot of a lot of football to, uh, to be played. I mean, man, this young man was definitely going to be one of the all-time greats because the, the guy's skill set, this dude was ultra-talented, came out of the University of Miami. And like I said, one of the greatest safeties in Washington, Redskin commander, football team history. And he's, man, then last Sunday comes. And the foolery that takes place, they... Got his a mismatched jersey. Mind you, they have a Reebok. Mind you, when Shantae was playing, the NFL was sponsored by Reebok. They have (laughs) mismatched pants with a Reebok logo with a Nike Shantae jersey on a wired mannequin. Really? Really? Like I said, this clown organization continues to outdo themselves. Just when I thought they couldn't be even more stupider, they 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 proved me wrong. 
I mean, my God, the utter disrespect. I mean, come on. I mean, dude, even Pat Tillman has a statue in Arizona. I mean, mind you, he served for his country. Yeah, I get that. But the thing is, though, Washington, you guys could have definitely created a statue for Sean Taylor. I mean, of all people, he definitely deserved a statue out at that stadium or wherever the hell it is. The the Hall of Redskins Hall of whatever Hall of Fame, whatever it is, whatever y'all call yourselves. My goodness. My goodness. Like I said, but like I said, this is the Washington front office, a front office that's used to foolery, bumbling, and just screwing up, just being total screw ups. I mean, like I said, I me mean, we, we want to and we won't get into your owner and the foolishness that 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 he's he the investigations that he's under. So now you guys are selling your football team. Honestly, I wish I weren't because I like the foolery that's going on in Washington because eventually. Whenever a new organ, a, a new owner comes in, they actually may be pretty decent for once. Like I said, I mean, they have a good coach in Ron Rivera. I will say that that's probably the smartest thing this organization has done over the past several decades. I mean, besides bringing Joe Gibbs back for a couple years, but you know what? It is what it is. It is what it is. Like I said, keep stinking Washington, man. Hey, us, the Cowboys. And the Giants are are, are are happy for it. So anyway, Big B, there you go. I talked uh, talked about your football team. Enjoy. So with that being said, I'm gonna take a quick break. All right, everybody, let's get into some college football. Um, ladies and gentlemen, like this week was one uh, was one for the books. There were some wild games, some wild results that has definitely thrown the BCS playoff standings upside down. Some uh, some teams that definitely had a, had uh, had it locked in. However, a gag job here and there that may have cost them. But I'm gonna start at the top. Let's start with the Pac-12 championship, USC, Southern California. My goodness, they, it was all laid out for them. They were, they were going in probably as the number four seed to the tournament. They had to face Utah and for the Pac-12 for the um, the Pac-12 title, and that was brutal. That was brutal. Uh, I'm definitely not. I'm surprised, but yet I'm not surprised because Utah beat USC earlier in the season in Utah. And they played them on a neutral site, and they completely curb stomped them, knocking them out 47 to 24. My goodness, what happened, USC? But honestly, like I said, I'm not surprised by this. Utah, I mean, man, the last few years, I mean, Utah has really built themselves a very nice program. And I mean, even though, even though they weren't in contention for the BCS playoffs, I mean, man, they still filled a successful season. So Utah won the Pac-12 uh, Pac title and USC goes home. Uh, Michigan, Michigan, they uh, dominated Purdue in the second half and demolished them 43 to 22 and winning the Big Ten Championship. Moving on to the, uh, the ACC title, that was dominated by Clemson, who beat North Carolina 39 to 10. And Clemson, I mean, they were ranked number nine. I mean, they really didn't have a shot to make the tournament. Um, a game that uh, basically almost had me at the edge of my seat was 
Kansas knocking off TCU by the tone uh, the score of uh, 31 to 28 TCU was ranked number three in the uh, the national polls and honestly they that was another team that kind of uh, that gag however this one cat that um, the quarterback Max Duggan he definitely caught my attention because of his grittiness this dude would not let Utah lose he basically did everything he could. I mean, this dude literally put you, uh, his uh, his team on his back to get them back to the game, ultimately tying up for um, unfortunately losing it in overtime. But no, this kid is definitely on my radar. I mean, he definitely has the grit. Um, he definitely has a nice arm. And yeah, this matchup is definitely going to be interesting um, um, on uh, whoever they match up. And I'll get to the matchups in a second. But moving on to the SEC, this matchup was basically dominated by Georgia, who beat uh, LSU 50 to 30. And like I said, the uh, defending national champions showing why that they're the champs. As yeah, they they basically put boost to throw and took LSU out. And lastly, um, uh, the Atlantic, uh, the American Atlantic Conference, the AAC, where Tulane beat uh, UCF, uh, UCF. 45 to 28. So, basically, what I what I believe, what I thought the um, the playoffs should be was Georgia number one because, of course, after winning the SEC title and and the way that they've been dominating this entire season, they should definitely be number one. Michigan number two after beating Purdue to win the um, the Big Ten, and I'll talk about the game in a moment. I feel they should be number two. I felt uh, TCU should uh, should stay number three despite the loss to Kansas State. I mean, they won nine games versus ranked opponents. I believe they should still stay in. And finally, uh, the fourth one was tough. This one was tough. I mean, it was between that school from the South, Alabama, and Tennessee. I felt Tennessee should uh, may uh, should have possibly gotten in. Um, for one, I mean, they beat Bama, so they immediately hopped over them. They beat six ranked uh, ranked teams and finished with a flurry by destroying Vanderbilt 56-0 to zero last week. I felt they should be in. Um, and like I said, I mean, my thing is all with Ohio State. You don't get smashed the way that you got smashed to Michigan on your home field and should still be able to play for um, the college football championship. I totally believe that should not, uh, they should not get in. But you know what? Hey, I figured the um, the, um, the selection committee was going to put either Bama or Ohio State in. So basically, that's kind of what I thought would happen. What actually happened, basically, what I, in a sense, was very similar. I mean, um, Georgia number one, Michigan number two, TCU, TCU number three. And that school from the South is number four. So the matchup is set. Um, it's going to be, um, it's going to be Georgia taking on. Um, let me make sure. Yeah, Georgia is going to be taking on um, Ohio State. I believe that's going to be in the Orange Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. And that's going to be. Um, Around one of the college football uh, playoffs, so yeah, it's going to be. I'm sorry, yeah, it's going to be in. It's actually going to be in Atlanta, so the Bulldogs will definitely have a significant home field advantage. 
because I me mean, for one, Georgia fans they turn out. Shout out to my boy, uh, shout out to my uh, my old barber, C. Wick, Chris, uh, Chris, and his brother and his twin brother Ebony. They definitely support um, the, uh, the Bulldogs. You got you also got my boy Mark who definitely supports them, the entire Whitmore family, and yeah. They're definitely going to be out there supporting uh, for the for the semifinal game at the Peach um, at the Peach Bowl. Um, the second game is going to be at the Fiesta Bowl. That's going to be the second game of round one. That's going to be uh, TCU taking on Michigan. Um, mind you, if everybody knows, I live right around the corner from from uh, State Farm Stadium here in uh, in Phoenix. So. I'm going to man. the tickets are not are, are pretty decent. I definitely want to try to get to that game. I've been wanting to go to a Michigan game for so long. Tell my, um, hopefully my cousin can join me and uh, that we can definitely uh, hit our first Michigan game together. And that would be pretty dope because, I mean, mind you, he's the one who actually got me to really liking Michigan uh, back in, like, 1998. So I'm definitely looking, I'm definitely looking to possibly go to that game. Um, hopefully it's a win for the Wolverines and they'll um, they'll take on um, Georgia for the national title and I believe that's at uh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas and so we'll see what's going to happen with that no 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 it's not, it's, I'm sorry you know what I beg you pardon no it's not AT&T Stadium no it's going to be a SoFi this year so yeah that's definitely going to be pretty interesting right there so yeah that's the college football playoffs um, one of the things that I definitely wanted to get into is the game that took place last week between Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan, of course, this is uh, probably uh, arguably the best rivalry in college football because it's, this dates back to a long period of time. Um, um, mind you, Ohio State has had uh, Michigan's number over the past possibly two decades. Um, I could probably count on one one hand on how many times Michigan has beaten Ohio State this year. I mean, all, over the past two decades, and it's not has been many. However, the tide is turning because Michigan, of course, they dominated them last year in the Big House. That's cool. That's cool. However, this year, Michigan went into Columbus, put boots to throw. Oh, on, on Ohio State on their home field and completely dominated them and when I say dominated them I mean dominate and, and that and that's not in you know when I say dominated I mean I'm not just speaking that no that was pure unadulterated domination by the score 45 to 23 Michigan like I said they basically did whatever they wanted to do especially in the fourth quarter um where they outscored uh, uh, Matt Freeman in the entire second half, where they outscored that school to the South 28 to three and just purely dominating that game. JJ McCartney was a beast that game. I mean, my goodness, he was swinging that ball. He was 12 of 24 for 263 and three touchdowns. My goodness, and he basically they basically hit the Buckeyes with the long with the long ball. Cornelius Johnson with the 69 yard TD pass. Cornelius Johnson with a 75-yard TD pass, both in the second quarter. In the third quarter, that's when that's when everything turned around. Um, Colston, uh, Colston Loveland with a 45-yard TD pass from McCartney, putting the Wolverines up for good, 24 to 20. 
And from there, in the fourth quarter, J.J. McCartney, McCartney with a three-yard TD run. And after a field goal, Donovan Edwards uh, basically ended the game with a 75-yard and an 85-yard TD run to put the game away. Donovan Edwards with 216 yards rushing and two, and two TDs. Mind you, this uh, this is supposed to be an improved defense from that school to the south. Nah, uh, uh, nah, uh, uh. The Wolverines did whatever they wanted to in the second half. Their defense, Michigan's defense in the second half was also the story because they dominated. They dominated uh, Ohio State. I mean, you saw from the uh, the pressures that was coming. Two, they only got one sack. However, like I said, the constant pressure that Ohio State was under from Michigan's defense, as well as the overall pressure to beat Michigan. Because, I mean, for both schools, I mean, being the other, that's a big deal. And I was telling about my boy Mike Staff this, I mean, with Jim Harbaugh, I mean, because originally the biggest issue with Harbaugh was that he was not beating not only was he not getting to bowl like or winning in bowl games, he was not beating his chief rivals. First, he couldn't beat Michigan State. He 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 took that he crossed that off. Then he couldn't beat Ohio State. He's done that now two years in a row. That's gonna give him much love around um, around the boosters, around the school. And honestly, shoot, Jim Harbaugh is going to be in, in line for a nice little payday in a, or an extension because now he's shown that he can now beat Ohio State a little bit more consistently. I mean, this is definitely going to garner a bigger paycheck for him. And honestly, you know, and I definitely expect some teams from the NFL to possibly be coming after Harbaugh. I hope and pray that he stays because I definitely like what they're building over in Ann Arbor. And right now, I mean, yeah, I mean, you definitely have the rivalry on your side. And now you're in the college football playoffs for the second year in a row and with a good opportunity to possibly win the whole thing. I believe if somehow, if he does win the whole thing, I think he may just be out. I think he'll be out. And you know what? As much as I would hate it, I mean, hey, he did the job. Started with beating Michigan State, then he started beating Ohio State, and then he won the national title. Especially if he does it over either either Georgia or Ohio State. I mean, dude, what else is left to prove? I don't know. I really don't know. But that remains to be seen. Michigan, they have to get by the uh, by the Longhorns from TCU first before we can start having lofty dreams about that. But anyway, back to the game. Like I stated. All those, all those uh, fans from the school to the south, I mean, they're in shambles. And I love every single moment of it. I love it. I love it. I got three people who I talk to pretty consistently on social media about this rivalry because they are fans of that school to the south. And please believe, I love rubbing their faces into it because I've been hearing so much crap from them over the past several years. And I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going to be remembering this. So... These last two years, yeah, they're definitely going to be beautiful. They're definitely have been beautiful to my Michigan fandom. And, yeah, all those Ohio State honks, y'all can shove it. Y'all can straight up shove it. 
Oh, shoot. So, moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, one of the things that um, I definitely wanted to, to also discuss is the situation with Deion Sanders. As many of you know, Deion Sanders um, um, has been with um, the HBCU, Jackson State, former alma mater of Walter Payton, the all-time look. At, at one point, the NFL's all-time leader rusher, former Chicago Bear, passed in 1999. Um, one of my favorite all-time but anyway, um, he's been, um, he went to Jackson State to try to help build up the program for one and try to help bring light to the HBCUs. Commend, I, I totally commend him for this because Dion, I mean, HBC, everybody knows HBCUs are significantly underfunded. I mean, man, the resources there compared to one of the top flight schools is, it's like nine days. It is like, it's seriously, it is nine a day. And Dion, mind you, like basically part of his salary that he was given I mean, a lot of that went back into the organization. I mean, the, the school. I mean, it went back to the training facility. It helped revamp the, uh, the playing field, the camp, um, the playing surface. I mean, mind you, man, I remember I saw something where they were saying, hey, look, before he came, hey, we're playing on mud. The playing surface was horrible. End of quote. My goodness. And there was one time Dion, he came out saying, like, man, one time we came at in for halftime and the lights weren't working. I'm just like, wow. I mean, mind you, I mean, I, I like I say, my thing, I'm kind of torn on this because for one, I definitely do not mind someone looking to level up. I definitely don't have a problem with leveling up. And what Dion is doing, what Dion did is level up because he took the Colorado State job. And Mind you, like I said, like I said, me, like I said, I, I don't have no problem with leveling up. One of the things that uh, I kind of do kind of feel some type of way is the fact that, I mean, is the kid, the kids who pretty much kind of turned and who kind of left other Power 5 schools to commit to Jackson State. Now, true, yeah, they have the... Uh, they have the transfer, uh, um, the transfer portal, which I mean, I think a, a few of these players I've already seen have decommitted from Jackson State, and I already know Dion has taken his son uh, Shador uh, Sanders with him. Shador uh, plays quarterback for Jackson State. I'm not sure about Shiloh yet. I'm not. I mean, he plays safety for Jackson State. He's um, he's Dion's other son. Um, I saw something on on social media where he was saying, "Should I stay or should I go?" And he he did a poll. Uh, I think, I mean, it would be nice for Shiloh to stay. Uh, honestly, I, I think it would be nice. But who knows? Who knows? I mean, if Shiloh decides to go with his brother and his pops, hey, you know what? Good for him. There's definitely nothing wrong with that. I mean, for one, I mean, hey, I mean, at this point, I think Shiloh has the uh, has the ability and the possibility of making it to the pro and could could, it, could that be shown at Jackson State? It sure can. It definitely can be. But the thing is though, will it? That remains to be seen. Because like I said, Dion is gone now. 
and unfortunately some of that shine is probably going to be taken away from the from the HBCUs. But I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that while Dion was there, whoever is going to fill that role learned something from him. And it's not just X's and O's, it's how to ingratiate yourself in, in these families' homes. And how to conduct your team and things like that. Because, I mean, one thing about Prime, I mean, Prime is, no, he's a hard worker. And Dion, I mean, from what I've seen from him during his playing careers, and from what I've heard from others, I mean, this man studies. And this dude literally got every ounce of talent and ability out of him before he called it a career in the NFL. I mean, and whatever Deion Sanders, in my opinion, touches, turns to gold. I mean, he just has that lasting effect on something. And I'm hopeful that even after his departure, Jackson State is still able to be a solid, a solid school, a solid football program. And that maybe they can still recruit some some of these top flight talents. I mean, I know it's gonna be definitely difficult because you don't have that guy coming in to talk to mom, dad, and grandma. Because I mean, hey, when Dion speaks, these people are gonna listen because Dion knows what it takes. I mean, the man's a Super Bowl champion, the man's a Hall of Famer, and he knows he knows what's up. He knows what time it is. So, like I said, I mean, and it's sad to see us as black people turn against them on that. And I get it, though. Like I said, I get it. I mean, hey, you're figuring out, and you kind of figure, hey, look, hey, you do it for the culture. Do it for the culture. Do it for the culture. And I get that. However, I know Dion, and how come he can't have the same lasting impact at one of these top-tier schools as well? Because, I mean, you rarely see these African-American coaches hired for a top uh, a top flight school. I think with Dion going to another top flight school, and, and if he does, is able to have some success, that may look at, that may show that these white, um, these white uh, boosters or administrators that, hey, look, a lot of these brothers can coach. And mind you, yeah, a lot of these brothers can't coach this game. I mean, just because you're white or, I mean, just because you're, you're a brother or you play, you can't coach. You can't be a leader of men. A lot of these guys can't. I mean, sucks. I mean, I mean, well, I wish Herman Edwards would have had more success at ASU, Arizona State University, because I think that would have also helped. Like I said, I mean, you got like, um... Man, I forgot, I forgot the one, the one coach that uh, David Shaw. David Shaw is another one. David Shaw is another uh, African American coach who has put together a nice program with Stanford. Um, and like I said, I me, mean, I definitely hope that Dion definitely has the, the, the same success that he had at Jackson State. I mean, where he led that team to the SWAC title uh, two the last two years. And that team has been undefeated, I think, the last two years as well. And but like I said, I mean, it sucks to me. You you got you got haters out there, and and mind you, like I said, if somebody goes into your job and offers you a position that pays you about five times, five or ten times more than what your current job is. I mean, you know the answer. I mean, I know I'm definitely gonna take it. And even Dion said in an interview, 
and I'm gonna play that interview for you guys. Hopefully before um, before the show ends, I'm gonna uh, I definitely want to play that interview as well as possibly um, in his and the way that he addressed the team. Definitely hope they kind of get those so you guys can kind of hear those as well because honestly I think those are very poignant. And so I mean you got now you got haters coming out playing must be the money Dion's old song um, that he uh, he rapped back in 1994. Um, talking about hey Dion and they put up uh, the clip on Friday with um, DC Curry and Ice Cube where on uh, I believe it was Friday part two where he was like hey I was, I was always the one that would say hey I love the hood I'll never leave the hood but once I got that check I'm out I mean you got that now so I mean we gotta stop this I mean this is the quote unquote crabs in the bucket mentality that that unfortunately a lot of us black people have but I mean, I get it. I mean, I get it. And like I said, and like I said, I'm and like I said, I'm also kind of torn also because like I said, I mean, hey, you do also do it for the culture. You definitely do it for the culture. You definitely saw a change in the HBCU environment because I mean, honestly, I've never seen an HBCU uh, um, game on ESPN. I mean, the man had game day down at at Jackson State. I mean, man, that just shows the power of Deion Sanders and what he can attract. And so, like I said, to me, all the best to him in uh, Colorado. Definitely hoping for success for him. And so, with that being said, that brings us to a close for another episode of the 310 Podcast. And like I said, I'm going to have those um, the way... um, I'm going to have him addressing his team um, once this is over, so you guys can definitely listen to that. And so with that being said, I'm your man, K-Mark. I'll catch you with you later. Peace.